I remember the uh, the year was 1969, and uh, I was a high school senior at Osborne High School. And I remember that we introduced the very first folk musical. Now, most of you in this house understand that term when I say folk musical, um, because it was... Bob Oldenburg wrote one called Good News, but then Buddy Scoggins was here at that time, and we came together, and our youth choir did a presentation of a musical entitled Tell It Like It Is. Some of you may remember that. Well, I knew we had not only done that here, I was in the presentation in this sanctuary, and that was about 45-plus years ago for me. So I went downstairs, and I began looking for the musical. And I not only found the musical, I found my copy of as a high school senior. And I thought, this thing's going to outlive me. <laughs> you know? The musical was written in a day and time where people had to speak up like never before. We were facing a culture that was very vocal that was very visible. Uh, we referred to that movement, mostly living on 14th Street in Atlanta and other places, called the hippie movement. A lot of the rock music in that time reflected such a visibility, such a an outward expression of yourself. And I think that probably would be putting it mildly. And then Ralph Carmichael and Kirk Kaiser came up with a musical, uh, which consisted about, well, actually, there were 22 songs in this. I went back on YouTube this week and listened to a lot of those. A couple of them I did as solos. And, and I remember looking at the words and going back through here and reading the words and the lyrics. Tell it like it is. Brother, let me take your hand. Check him out. Master designer. I believe God is real. Do as I say. Rosy tinted glasses. Limericks conform. A new mind. That's the way it is. And music went on and on and on. This grew to be the number one youth musical of its day. And the whole purpose was now in the church. Tell it like it is. And as I read through this, and as I was thinking about what we preached last week and where we move forward, I'll be honest with you, I was taken back to a scripture found in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, because folks, if we're going to commit ourselves as the body of Christ, then to tell it like it is, and now, right now, as east side. Together, all three campuses, there is one definitive scripture that comes to mind. Now, I've got the scripture on the, on the screens for you, but I hope you'll memorize it if you've not already. It's very, very easy to memorize. And it goes like this. This is the Holman Christian Standard. Mark, the oldest, the first gospel writer, the oldest gospel writer, he said, go into all the world. This is Jesus talking now. Go into all the world and preach the gospel 
to the whole creation. Now, you got that on the screen. Would you start at the word go, and let's say that together right now? Say it with me. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to the whole creation. If there was ever a scripture, folks, about telling the world, and what I believe that we must do as we move forward together as Eastside Baptist Church, then we're going to have to do what that scripture says. Three things. Go into the world, all the world, that's very important. Preach the gospel, and then the third thing is to the whole creation. Now, during this time this morning, there are two things I want to accomplish. First of all, I want to exegete the Scripture and look deep at what God is saying to us. The word exegete just means to pick it apart, to study it, look at it logistically, word by word. Then, with your outline, I want to suggest some very practical strategies whereby we can do and work toward accomplishing what is found in Mark 16, 15. What a theme verse for 2016. And folks, let's just ask God to bless what we do. Ask Him to give us discernment and to make what we say and what we share extremely, extremely simple and practical. Let's pray. Father, the command is specific. We're to go into all the world and preach the gospel to the whole creation. It's clear. It's concise. It's simple. There's no frills about it. It's just fact. So, Father, we looked last week at the foundation of prayer and the type of prayer that we're talking about. That gut level, get on your knees before God praying. But now you've taken us one step further. Not only has prayer become our foundation, the first thing we must do is to do like the title says, tell. Tell it like it is. Father, don't ever let us water down your word. Don't ever let us misrepresent your word. Always, Father, help us to preach the whole truth. There is a heaven. There is a hell. And to help us, Father, develop ways every day of our life that we can put feet to our prayers by going into all the world, preaching the gospel to every creation. Lord, help it stick in our hearts today. Your word, not my word. Your word. Haunt us, Father, with this verse throughout this week. May there be times we see this verse in places we never dreamed we would see it. Perhaps on our mind, in our hearts, perhaps on a billboard, perhaps in a book, perhaps in the Word. Do not, Father, please let this verse escape our minds or our hearts, especially this week. But reinforce what I believe and I am convinced is your Word for me 
and for this campus today. Thanks, Father, for the privilege to preach it. May it be clear. May it be concise. May it be easily understood so that, Lord, in just a few minutes when it's done, there will be those practical things of advice whereby we can implement what this verse says. I thank you for the privilege to be here. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look at the very first thing that Jesus told us to do in Mark 16, verse 15, go into all the world. Folks, Jesus had been with his disciples now for 40 days following his resurrection. It was now time to return to his Father in heaven. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that the Lord had appeared to over 500 people, over 500 people, during this 40-day period. But the problem is... As he stood by his disciples that day, the disciples still had a problem. And those 11 men had problem with belief. Man always does. You back up a few verses, you can read about this. Their disbelief had caused their hearts to be hardened. Such a tragedy then and such a tragedy now. People today, believers today, let the sin of unbelief steal their joy so much of the time. We're unwilling to believe it because we can't see it. We're unwilling to believe it because we didn't think it up. We're unwilling to believe it because it's beyond anything our mind can understand. Yet God over and over has said His ways don't equal our ways. He thinks completely different than we do. You're never going to be able to explain God. But Jesus had one solution to their belief problem. And he's got one solution to our belief problem in the 21st century. And that solution, go into all the world, preach the gospel to the whole creation. Now the very first thing Jesus told his disciples to do in that verse is what? Go. To go. The word in the Greek means, yes, to go, but it means to go to a point of distance. It means to go from point A to point B. It doesn't mean just to start out on the journey. It means to start right here and plan to end up over there. Jesus said to his disciples, get in the boat and what? Go to the other side, point A, point B. That is this word peruomai in the Greek that is used specifically to refer to a point in time. The word, and then he says, okay, if we're going to go at a point in time, where are we going? And the Lord says you go into the Greek, it uses the word cosmos, the world. Now, That word cosmos right there, scientists have used it. You have heard it used that way. It refers to the total universe. But you watch the Greek people in their context. Go into all the world, cosmos here represents you and me. You all have your world that you interact with every day, right? 
You see your family, you see the lady at the grocery store, you see the lady and the person, man at the bank, you, I can just go on and on and on. You have your world. It is that same word, cosmos, that is used of your world, too. So what's the Bible saying? Infect your world. Folks, if you look at this entire universe and you sit back and it says go into all the world, you're going to be blown away because that's insurmountable. How can one man or woman go into all the world? That's impossible. But yet that's exactly what the Lord is saying to the disciples. Or is it? Yes, overall to go into the world, but I believe the much deeper meaning of that statement right there is the cosmos. It is your cosmos, my cosmos. Make sure we go point to point and minister to our world. Not at the exclusion of international missions, not at the exclusion of home missions, but make sure our first priority is what I, what you, who you can influence every second, every day of your life. You go into all the world. Okay, that being said, What are some practical things that you and I must do to go into all the world as a church body right here? There are four of them. Didn't come out of somebody's book. Didn't come out of somebody else's sermon. They came out of my heart. And here's the first one. It's on your screen. Commit to go. Folks, I can preach all day long about this topic, but if we don't commit to go, why preach it? If we don't commit in our life to go, to make an effort that, okay, we are going to do something about Mark sixteen fifteen. As Billy Graham said, we can sit on our blessed assurance and never move, and we can. But God is calling us to get up and go. And maybe that's not physical. Maybe that's by card, letter, phone call, whatever it may be, wherever you are. You can affect your world. You can invite people to church. You can speak a word about what God is doing in our midst. You can commit yourself to go. When you get up in the morning, when you leave this worship service, I hope before the day is over with, you will have committed yourself to go by taking some action to go. That's the first thing. The second thing is look for ministry opportunities. Look for ministry opportunities. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you knew you were supposed to talk to someone and you didn't? This is by show of hands. Most of you. The rest of you just didn't want to raise your hand. That's okay, because I know you face that. If there's any spiritual walk in you at all, you face that point in your life where God has led you, and then you think, man, I should have said something, and I didn't. 
Well, now if you commit to go, make sure you're looking. God is setting in front of you every day of your life ministry opportunities. It may be in the line at the store. It may be in the line for fast food. I don't know where God... But God is going to... If you commit yourself to go, trust me, God is going to give you ministry opportunities in your world. And his greatest mouthpiece to share about what God is doing right here in all of our midst in three campuses is you. There's no plan B, folks. That one doesn't fall from heaven. How will they hear except they send a preacher? You're the preacher at that point. We misunderstand that word preacher right there in that verse. It's not referring to the guy standing up here. It's referring to all of us, Caruso in the Greek, to do it. Look for those ministry opportunities. My prayer is so much of the time, Lord, I miss those ministry opportunities because I'm just ignorant. I'm serious. Help me, Lord, to see them. Knock me in the head. Put me flat on my back. Help me to see what you are doing in front of me to set up a ministry situation that only God can do. You watch for that this week. That will happen in your life. You commit to go, you'll see those ministry opportunities. The third thing I think as far as going into all the world is this. Be intentional. When Jesus sat there with his disciples, that's what he was telling to those men. Go is not the participle here. It is in the aorist tense. The aorist tense, A-O-R-I-S-T, is the most misunderstood tense in the Greek language, but it's the most mind-boggling. Sometimes the aorist tense is translated in the past. Depending on the context, it can be translated then, now, and forever. And in this right where it is, any Greek scholar will tell you in these words right here, that word go in its aorist tense literally means go back then, go right here, and go forever. So I guess you could say in, in essence, though it's not a participle, it acts like a participle. That's the master of the aorist tense. And that's what it says right here. You Be intentional. Don't ever stop going. It's not a one-time fix. It's a constant going. If we're going to go into all the world. But here's the fourth practical statement. Set personal goals. Lord, help me talk to one person this week about your church. Lord, help me talk talk to five people this week about your church. Lord, help me... You see what I'm saying? Set a goal. Don't set something unrealistically. Lord wants to talk to 100 people throughout this whole week. Wonderful. If you want to do that, go for it. Start small. Folks, the, the, the command is there. God assumes with the aorist tense that you and I are going to be going. If we're going to grow this service, if we're going to grow Lower Oswald Road, if we're going to grow Smyrna, I'm telling you, unless we commit to go, unless we look for ministry opportunities, and unless we be intentional, and unless we set personal goals, we'll remain seated right where we are until God takes us home. Not an option here. Not an option. But what he told the disciples. I feel like I ought to be, we ought to, I'm not Jesus, trust me. Oh, no way. I feel like we ought to be by the Sea of Galilee right now, talking about all this together. Second part. 
Go into all the world, preach the gospel. Now, this is the one that can be misunderstood. The word for preach there in the Greek is keruso. And I emphasize the A sound because it's an ada, keruso. It means to proclaim. It means to announce publicly. Matter of fact, it's the word for the town crier. Of the late 18th, early 19th century, the town crier who read the news and proclaimed the news by his voice on the city street. That's pretty much the way to describe the one who is Caruso. It means to deliver a very important message. It means to tell it like it is. There is a heaven. There is a hell. We've got evangelists on TV today and telling you all about heaven like you wouldn't believe. And they're smiling from ear to ear. But you'll never hear the word hell come out of their mouth. Folks, there's something wrong with presenting only one half of the gospel. And if we're going to go into all the world, we're going to have to do like this musical said. Not look at this old world through rosy-tinted glasses, but look at this world that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to pay unless you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ on this side of your death. And a split second after you die, you cannot change your mind. Folks, preach the gospel. Now, I told you Mark is the oldest gospel. This is his understanding of the Great Commission as Jesus is preaching. The Word in itself and what it means. You and I are to tell like never, ever, ever before. We are to make sure we're intentional. But what are the practical things we can say about telling, about preaching the gospel? Well, the word gospel, let me say this to you is the word in the Greek, euangelion. It means good news. You know that. It's where we get our word evangelistic from, or evangelist comes out of that word as well, but it means to tell the gospel. Now, when you talk and listen to the Greek language and you study Old and New Testament history, you'll understand that euangelion involved the kerygma. I just lost you. The Greek word kerygma, don't get all messed up with that. It means the life the death, the, the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was kerygma, K-E-R-Y-G-M-A. You and I are to proclaim the gospel, the kerygma, the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the redemptive power of who God is. We have, as the old gospel hymn says, we have the story to tell, don't we? We win, folks. We know we do. That's the end of the story. God tells us that. But he says, okay, you've got to preach the gospel. Then how in the world do we preach the gospel to our cosmos? How does every one of you, including me, walk out of this house in just a few minutes? And how today can we preach the gospel? not calling you to stand up on the street. not calling you to get nervous in front of people. I'm not calling you to come up here and do what I do. There are folks called to do this. But I am telling you what God has commanded us to do and assuming we're going to do as believers to get into all the world. Then what are those four things? Here's the first one. Here's how you can preach the gospel. Invite those around you. Don't answer this verbally or outwardly. 
But how many people have you invited to Olive Springs through Eastside in the last two weeks? The average, you've heard me say that the average person will come to a worship service or to the church because the preacher went, because the deacons went. No, because you invited. It takes an average, now they're saying even more, of 13 to 15 times before a person would come. Some people would interpret that as hounding. But you know, to save a person from hell, I believe it's worth hounding, you know? Invite someone to church. Now, every one of us can do that. We can set a goal. We can invite one person to church this week. Hey, we're doing these courses, and you come here. You go to Laura Roswell Road, whichever way. We're all one church, three campuses. It's fine. I'm not hung up that you've got to come to my Bible. I hope you will. I'd love for you to be here. We've got about 15 coming on Wednesday night. We have a great time. You talk to those folks that are coming. We have a good time. And it's fixing to get even better. You come, be a part of that if you can, from 6 to 7. And later we're going to do the same study in the morning during the week. So maybe those of you who don't work want to come in the morning before it gets dark can do the same thing. We'll work that out. I'm we're, we're, Don't worry. We're working on that. But the point, invite those around you. You can, between now and next Sunday, invite someone to come sit with you next Sunday. Y'all remember the old pack to pews we used to do years ago? Well, I remember that here, Elmer Faust. You'd have to sign up. Remember that? Some of you who were here those days, you remember we'd sign up, and I'm telling you, the night of revival, stand up for your pew. There'd be people that packed ten pews. I'm just, Jane remembers that, don't you? You remember all those times that we did? I'm telling you, that's how you do it. Just invite someone. Send them an email. Make a phone call. Send them a card. Talk to them, whatever. Invite those people to church. The second thing, make a commitment to tell people daily. Make it your lifestyle. My lifestyle. I was talking to a guy the other day, and I said, listen, just come. Join us. Be a part. We're just good old folks around there. We're country boys. There's nothing flashy about us. You just come. Be a part of what God's doing in our midst. Give us a try, because when you walk in the door, I guarantee you, you'll find people that will come hug on you and love you like you had never seen before. And that's what people want in this world. Ladies and gentlemen, people are bombarded. They're put down. They're hit to they're, they're stepped on everything during the week. They can come in this place, and they can walk in that front door, and they can meet about half of y'all before they ever get in the front door. And you're hugging them. Glad you're here. Thank God for you. And you're in... Whoa. You think they'd be back? I would. If we just invite. Just invite. The third thing, not only do we invite those, or the second thing, I guess, or no, the invite those, not only do you tell people daily. Here's a big one, folks. Encourage someone daily. Encourage someone daily. I'm going to tell you what, put this one on your calendar, put this one. You ought to pick you out a person every day of your life. Hopefully it's more than one. But you ought to get up in the morning and before you go to bed, say, before I lay my head on this pillow tonight, I'm going to call, see, write, do something and encourage this person. How many of you all have received an encouraging note from someone in your past? Raise your hand. How did you feel? Hey, man, I'm somebody. Did it make you feel good? Shake your head. Make somebody feel good. 
Write them a note. Give them a call. Tell your husband. Tell your wife. Tell your son, your daughter, your grandchildren. Encourage someone. This is how you preach the gospel. You're not doing what I do. What you are doing and what we are doing is preaching the gospel with our varying life. I don't talk to my son every day. He told me, Dad, you don't need to call me every day and tell me you love me. I know you love me. But I tell you what, when I get the chance, I'll get on my phone right here, and I'll text my boy, Michael, I'm praying for you, son. Be safe out there. Dot, 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 click. I don't do it every day. The other day I did that, and I got a text back that says, I love you, Pop. Just encourage somebody. There are people beat to a pulp, both in this room and outside this room. You can be the catalyst of preaching the gospel by encouraging someone. Will you do that this week? Will every one of you commit to encouraging one person? Lyman Coleman used to call this a serendipity frog kissing. I'll tell you about that later. But folks, wow. And the fourth thing. If you're going to preach the gospel, pray specifically. Pray specifically. That's number four right here. If you, let me tell you about this. One of the things we're going to do in the prayer room study is after that five-week study, we're going to do the battle plan for prayer, which is an eight-week study. And one of those things, it helps you to develop a war room in your own home, but even more, it helps you learn to pray specifically. I hope you will start asking the question, point blank to someone. They'll say to you, now, George, will you pray for me? Okay? So what's George do? The next question, okay, how can I pray specifically for you? And then you put it in your brain, and as soon as you can, you like me, I put it in here so I remember it and write it down and pray. Matter of fact, I actually about six, about three months ago downloaded an app on here called The War Room, and I keep them in here where I'm praying. Folks, pray specifically. Why? Because in about a week or two, you're going to be sitting in worship and you're going to look across this place and somebody like, like Keith is said going to be over here praying for Lois on this side and Keith is going to be thinking right during, not during the sermon, but after that, you'll be thinking, man, I've been praying for Lois. I need to go see Lois. As soon as this worship service is over with, God puts on your heart to run over and see Lois. Lois, you asked me to pray specifically for this thing. Tell me how this thing is going. See how that works? If he had never asked the question, he most likely would have never gone back and asked specifically about what happened. Wow. One final thing. One final thing. All in these verses, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And the last one, to the whole creation. Number three. I wrote that one down for you. I love this word whole. W-H-O-L-E. It's the word P-A-S, pas in the Greek. There's another word used for all called panta, P-A-N-T-A. That's not the word that's used here. This word pas means every kind of the whole, every specific being. It doesn't matter. It's not talking about all the dirt and all the stuff and all the ground and everything like panta, the benches you sit on and everything, it's pas. It's talking about every kind of person you could ever meet. The whole creation. We're not 
We're to make sure, however, that we preach the gospel to everyone. And then it uses the word creation. I love this word. It is the word katissis. K-T-I-S-I-S. Katissis. It's the way that's pronounced in the Greek. But watch this. Hold on to your seat. It's never used of any action except that of God. And when God refers to the kathesis, he is referring to his creation. And in particular, in the context, he's talking about you and me. We're special, folks. We're God's creation. So we are to proclaim the gospel to the pas. To all the kinds of people. I love that little song I sang here for so many years. Red and yellow, black and white. What's the next part of that? They are precious in his sight. Whoa. The world and his creation belongs exclusively to Yahweh. I love Jeremiah chapter 10 verse 12. He made the earth by his power. He established the world by his wisdom. And he spread out the heavens by his understanding. God's whole creation, folks, is his people. Here we are. He is referring to the very fact that God, creatio ex nihilo in the Latin, he created us out of nothing. And now here we are. Are. But let me tell you this. The creation is watching the 21st century Christian. They want to see if you truly believe what you believe. Stats are showing Barnard Ministries, George Barnard, and it's still in, in recent days been put in his work that you can't tell that much difference. You can't tell that much difference between a believer and a non-believer outside of the church. So sad. The Bible tells us, come out from among them and be separate. Don't be like the world. Here's another way. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Well, how in the world do we do it? There are four ways, four suggestions, and here they are. This outline is something that you can put on your refrigerator. Not because it's my outline, please, God forbid, but because I believe God wants us to hear what we're saying this morning. And here are the four things under the whole creation. Number one, you've got to make sure that as you stand in front of the whole creation in your life, you continue to grow. Education men call this, and rightly so, discipleship. It's intentional. You know, we don't grow by osmosis in our spiritual walk. The Bible says don't remain a little baby. Don't drink spiritual milk, but get on the heavy stuff. And how do you do that? By making a commitment to continue to grow. The second way you do it, bring other people with you. Johnny, I will tell you something. I'm glad you're at home. I'm glad we got a chance to talk. Listen, Randy's doing a Bible study up at the church. We're doing it on Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. It's called War Room. I'm excited about just growing and us getting together. It's not going to be Randy preaching. It's a, it's a group discussion. It's a great time together. But, Johnny, listen, let me just tell you something. Will you come and go with me? I'd love for you to be a part of this with me. This thing's going to be exciting. I mean, like, bring others with you to spiritual growth. My Sunday school teacher, listen, we got a great Sunday school class, whomever you're talking to on the phone. We have a great time together. 
I want you to come with me Sunday. Let me introduce you to my teacher, my leader in my Sunday school Bible study, my life group teacher. Let me tell you what else is happening too. And the ministries this church is doing, sunshine class, I could go on and on. Bring others with you. Third thing, be accountable to someone. Be accountable to someone. When you do all this, when you're doing this, get somebody to check up on you. Best way to do it is Connie and me, with me. Connie with me, me with Connie. You with your spouse. You with someone that you know or you're comfortable with that you could be accountable, that you say, I want you to make help me accountable. My pastor preached this message, these things. I'm trying to do these. Will you hold me accountable every week? Will you ask me how I'm doing in my prayer life? Will you, will you see what I'm saying? You gotta have somebody to hold you accountable. If you don't, you'll never do it. And then the final thing is part of the whole creation. Just be an example, folks. You know what people start saying? I want to be like him. I want to be like her. All because Jesus stood with 11 men and he said to them, preach the gospel to the whole creation. Let me, let me show you a graphic that, that explains what I'm trying to do. I'm not going to show you the whole graphic yet because it will pull the, the sermon. If, if, I didn't bring my pointer, but you can see a cyclical goes this way. Okay? The first thing we did last week is the word prayer. We're going to put prayer at the top of that. And across the top, as you see the word prayer, we talked about what that meant and what it is because this is the ministry outreach cycle. There are four things it's going to take. I'm going to show you two of them right now. Number one was prayer. If you had to pick a theme of what I've talked about today, what would that word be? And here it is. I picked it for you. Tell. Now, that's all I'm going to show you, that graphic. But when it's finished in two weeks... You'll see how as we pray, as we tell, as we do the other thing, it's cyclical. All we do is repeat this. And again, that graphic or what we're doing is not from somebody else's materials, not from somebody else's books, comes from out of my heart. This is what we are to do as a campus of Eastside and all three campuses of Eastside. And we just continue the process and these particular practical suggestions. When we sang this musical here at Olive Springs, I will never forget where I was sitting when I heard this song. Not going to sing it. I was right about where Rod is sitting. Really, I know the pews have changed, but probably two back, and I was sitting right there. Buddy Scoggins had us in here, and we were listening to this musical. This was in the beginning of the rehearsal. Now in the 60s and now in the 21st century, when I heard the words to this song, I said, gosh, wow, that's what we got to do. I became so convicted listening to this song. And it became then one of the number one songs in the 60s. Still in the book. Words go like this. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. And soon all those around can warm up 
in its glory. That's how it is with God's love once you've experienced it. You spread his love to everyone you want to pass it on. What a wondrous time is spring when all the trees are budding. The birds began to sing. The flowers start their blooming. That's how it is with God's love. Once you've experienced it, you want to sing. It's fresh like spring. You want to pass it on. And then here was the last verse. This is the one that got me right here and right here. What I wish for you, my friend, is this happiness that I've found. You can depend on him. It matters not where you're bound. Now, here's a sermon. I'll shout it from the mountaintop. I want my world to know the Lord of love has come to me. Remember, I want to pass it on. May we make that commitment today to do what we can to do what these practical suggestions say based on Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the time of just a very simple, simple, simple scripture. But Lord can take us so far in our life and what we do. And so, Father... Through the power of your Holy Spirit, you just fall fresh on us. Do with us, mold us, make us, that we'll be the child of God you want us to be. And Father, most of all, may we all just make that commitment today to do these three things in our life constantly. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I want you to stand your feet. And as you do, you'll know this song. You remember, Spirit of the Living God, Fall Fresh on Me. Beautiful song. I want you to sing. Uh, Jimmy's going to help us in just a minute to, as, the, as Keith gets you kind of started singing that. And then Keith is going to join me down front. He's going to be on that side. I'm going to be on this side. Folks, maybe you just need to come with us and want to pray. Randy, pray for you want to. Maybe you want to come join the church. I, I, whatever's on your heart. But I want... I want our times on Sunday after Sunday to serve when we close the service to be a time of ministry, to be a time where two or three of us can get together right here and pray, whatever it needs to be. We're not going to take long. Don't misunderstand me. You'll have time for Sunday school, but just a strong, strong ministry. John Hull, this is his heart. He and I talked about this this past week. He's doing this at both services at Eastside. Dexter's doing this. We're trying to bring our people together as ministry. and complete. So maybe there's something we can pray with you about. Maybe whatever is on your heart. But Keith is going to join me down here, and you come as God would lead you. Whatever is on your heart, will you sing that little chorus with us? Spirit of the living God, fall fresh. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me, Spirit of the living God.